if you go into a, a physician and they say, hey, you're sick and here's the things we can do, well, they don't just tell you to, you know, dartboard it and guess which way to do. They'll say, well, if you do this, here's the side effects and here's the likelihood and here's the risks and here's the benefits. You've got to do the same thing really in anything in business, but I think technology has suffered from that lack of communication probably more than a lot of other areas. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams, and organizations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Today I'm joined all the way from Tennessee. I've got the founder and chief contributor at Developpreneur and also founder at RB Consulting. Welcome to the show, Rob Broadhead. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. And uh, um, before we get into the sort of meat and veg of what you do, who you help and how you help them, could you give us a little bit of background about what's got you to where you are today? Um, I've had a I've had a, a fun journey, I guess. I started out as a, uh, a one of those kids that liked technology and that sort of developed into a uh, you know, going into college and majoring in computer science and then started my career more or less in the uh, what was at that time the big six consulting companies and fairly quickly realized that uh, I like the consulting side of of my work. I like doing technology. I like solving problems. And then after about, I was not even 10 years into it, decided to start my own company, uh, start RB Consulting, went out, uh, consulted on my own. I've been doing that for a little over 20 years now. Uh, I guess almost starting to approach 25 years and have have sort of focused on uh, although I've worked with big companies, you know, like Fortune 100, it really it's it's much more focused on uh, entrepreneurs, small businesses, maybe even mid-sized businesses, because it tends to be a, a, a good fit where I can bring that, I guess, that big business IT knowledge into small companies and help them figure out where they can they can use technology maybe where they're not used to it. And particularly because, you know, if you're, if you're running a business, mm. you're thinking about your business. You probably not, unless it is a technology business, that's not your cup of tea. That's not your strength. And so it's, it's just like, uh, like law and accounting and finance and some of those other areas where it's sort of, it's just a part of business. And if it's not your strength, it helps to have somebody come in that can say, Hey, here's, here's some of the tools that exist. Here's some of the things that are some, you know, some gotchas or some things that you need to look out for. So it's not only guiding you to where you can grow, but also helping you avoid mistakes that are, that are pretty common. And as I, have I, as I've sort of grown my business, initially it was much more focused on just, Hey, what's your job? What's your project? Let's get that done. Yeah. And as I started talking to customers and found more and more that the customers I was talking to had already tried this one or more times, whatever their project was, mm. And they had struggled through it. And a lot of times it, you know, in, in reviewing it with them and talking about their experiences, there was a, a sort of like an education side of, of what they had missed because they, they had a vision, they didn't really know how to get there and they didn't have, and so they just said, well, I think this is it. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do. And they didn't have consultants or, or vendors that would talk to them about 
is that really the best approach? Hey, here's some other options. Here's some things that make sense. Uh, and also it's asking the right questions. Uh, I often, often go back to like the idea of building a house. There's a difference between saying, build me a house and that's wide open. They could build yeah. you a little <laughs> shack. They could build you a mansion versus, you know, I need a house with, you know, so many bedrooms and so many bathrooms and the, I have to have, uh, you know, maybe phone and internet and maybe I need, maybe I want solar panels or what all the different things you can put into a house. Well, if you don't really know that those are options, mm -hmm. then you don't know how to tell the builder, I need these or, and then there's some, there's gonna be some things that just don't make sense. You know, so there's gonna be things that's like, well, yeah, you don't want to have a, you know, like a, a bathroom sitting out on a porch somewhere or something like that. You know, there's certain things that just don't make sense. And if you don't know that you, you don't know it, you don't know what mm -hmm. you don't know. And you rely on that that professional, that person that's providing expertise to help you ask the right questions. Right. And that was really where I started getting more and more into a lot of, often into like smaller companies and, and organizations and working more with the, uh, really more like the the owners, the leadership, and even though, you know, working with the technical side, but really a lot of it's a focus on the, the owners, the business side right. to help really understand what the processes are, help them, help them understand what their processes are and what their needs are. So that can be translated into technical speak essentially, and then build them a solution that makes sense for them. Yeah. It's actually one of the just written a, a word down there that you, you touched upon, which is translation. And I think that um, I reflected on some of my roles in the past, that, that translation between um, the customer, whoever that might be in front of you, either internal or external, and, and the, the technical side. And you often need that middle person who knows enough. I used to say, I know enough geek to, <laughs> to translate your needs into what they need to actually provide to you. Because quite often from a technical side, they there's the requirements. What requirements? What? How many pages do you need and what font? And, blah, blah, blah. and actually a customer's going, I want a website or I want a product and I want it to do this for me. They don't know how to translate that in from one to another. And uh, I think that's a really valuable service to be offering people, particularly in areas where, like tech, where the investments can be significant, even at the um, uh, at the lower levels, as well as the uh, the larger organizations as well. Right. Oh, agreed. And it, it very much is it's it. There's a there's definitely I guess a, an art uh, or a skill to doing that that translation side to being in the middle because you there are going to be some things where it's like yeah you know, if, if you ask a customer what font do you want on your website they don't they have no idea don't really probably don't care unless they're that's their you know business in some way form or fashion yeah. and so they're expecting you to guide them through those to mm -hmm. say if you choose comic sans it's not going to be a very professional looking site you know or if you choose this color scheme or if if you choose these ways to approach your solution there here's the challenges that you're going to be right. uh, and sometimes it's simple as like uh you know having three options like if you do this it's going to be very expensive yeah. it look great this is the you know the high-end sports car version of it mm -hmm. If you do this, it's going to be functional, but this is like the low end, just get you from point A to point B car. And then this is a mid range. It's, it's things like that. It's not just asking questions, just sort of like a, I sort of refer to it as like a, as a two-year-old child, it's like, you know, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? It's, it's that conversation that is 
not only asking the question, but also giving them enough context if they don't have it mm-hmm. so that they can answer it in a, in an intelligent way. You know, mm-hmm. it's sometimes you get asked a question, like, I don't know, I don't have any basis for what my decision would be, but this allows them to understand that. And I, it's just like any profession, you know, it's like a, uh, like a healthcare. If you go into a, a physician and they say, Hey, you're sick and here's the things we can do. Well, they don't just, tell you to, you know, dartboard it and guess which way to do. They'll say, well, if you do this, here's the side effects and here's the likelihood and here's the risks and here's the benefits. And you've got to do the same thing really in anything in business. But I think technology has suffered from that lack of communication probably more than a lot of other areas. I don't think people realized it early on. And then suddenly everybody just, instead of fixing it, it just like too many people seem to just think, that's just what it is. There's no way around it. You just, you can never have business and technology talk. And that's, it's sort of giving up on the fight before actually, you know, going out there and fixing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had this conversation previously. Well, my wife's in the world of learning and development and, uh, the, those sort of learning management systems as a specific example, you know, they're a large system that requires a heavy investment. And actually when the people who are going in and, and scoping out those systems, they kind of know what they want generally they haven't got experience or the, the company hasn't bought one or certainly hasn't bought one for a while and the world has changed massively around them um and when they go to ask the questions as to which which system is right for me quite often the only person to ask is the vendor now the vendor isn't going to say don't buy my system buy theirs <laughs> but you know, that's someone who sits in the middle and says actually based on your needs those options are in front of you but as you say the risk and reward is is x y and z and that's that's fine. We just I just went through that with a, a partner on the podcast side of of getting selecting a learning management system. We right. we're sort of the same way. We had we had built content for a long time, and we said, okay, well, here's sort of what we want. And the first the week or two of looking into it, it was okay. What's the difference? Okay. Yeah, and we it was as somebody finally had to because we didn't have somebody that said, here's what. You know, here's an expert that we trusted because it was the expert from each of the vendors, yeah. <laughs> which they're going to say our product's the yeah. best, funny <laughs> enough. Yeah. And so we had to go in and we had to, yeah, we had, to, which you have to do these things. We had to invest the time hmm. to sit down and walk through trials and demos. And we built out you know, a couple, we took a couple sample classes and built them across three or four LMSs and then hmm. talked to each other, compared notes, and then finally got down to one that, you know, fit our needs. But that's, that's part of it too, is that there is a, there is an investment that you have to make in those kinds of things that mm. even if you get a consultant that comes in and says, okay, this is what I think it needs to be. There still needs, you have to inform them enough mm. so that you're really making decisions. They're not, you can't just hand that decision. I, you can, I recommend you don't just hand <laughs> that decision off. Yeah. Um, and so it is, that sometimes is a problem because you get into areas where it's like, this is a part of my business. I don't really want to deal with. I don't mm-hmm. want to go, I don't want to understand enough about accounting to go select an accounting system yet, depending on where your position is, you may have to spend enough time to understand what that is, what that means to your staff or your, your resources that work with that mm-hmm. so that you can you know make the, the right decision or if not, you've got to find very, you know, highly trusted people to help you with that process. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And um, what's some of the things that you took from your time in that big six environment that uh, some that you've brought with you and maybe some of the uh, the things that you've left behind? 
Oh, wow. Um, one of the things that it, it's probably, it's, it's a negative kind of thing, but just because you pay more for something doesn't mean you're going to get a better product. That's, that was one of the big things I was amazed at, uh, which is, I think a lot of what I brought with me is that to me, there were a lot of people that were the cost to their customers was far beyond the value that they brought. Right. And it was really just buying a name. It's really just, you know, hey, I've got, it was a, it's almost like virtue signaling, signaling as they say now. It's like, hey, I've got this company and we're paying a ton of money. And that was, that was really almost all they wanted. That's like, okay, we've got that prestige, but it doesn't solve the problem. And I, I think that's one of the things I've brought forward is talking to companies about focusing on what is it you, what is your, why are you doing this? What is your reason for doing this? If it's just to say, hey, we have, you're checking a box to say we use this vendor or we have this product, okay. If you're solving a problem, it's let's talk about that problem. How do we really solve it? And let's let's try to like, you know, clear out whatever's in your head and what your friends and advertisers tell you, but what is it you're trying to solve? What is the best solution for that? Mm. And really focusing on that and keeping that why throughout the project to say, okay, why are we doing this? Because it's really easy for, especially entrepreneurs, I think, and maybe it's because I have that same thing as the sort of the, the shiny object syndrome where you, you're working on something and you say, oh, hey, there's this cool feature we can add or this new service we can do. And the next thing you know, that's like, oh, let's bring it on. Let's just do it. But that can detract from whatever your primary you know why is. Yeah. And I think there's, and you see a lot of business uh, experts that will talk about this where they say, all right, you got to you know, focus on your business, try not to get spread too thin or get off brand or out of areas that your strength, because you can actually hurt your overall organization sometimes by taking those, those risks that really don't, they're not really going to pay off for you anyways. Yes. It may be a revenue stream, but it really detracts so much from what your customers think you are that it becomes a you know, lead weight around you. Mm -hmm. Uh, the um, uh, the other side you, you touched on a little bit there was around um, you help people through um, the podcast that you've got, which is the developers side. Is that right? Mm -hmm. yep. Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that and uh, who it's there for and how it helps them. That is that is the more technical focus. The developer came from the the merging of developer and entrepreneur, and that was from experience of finding that some of the best actually the majority of the best developers that are out there, the software developers, not just people writing code, but people that can develop solutions and systems mm. also have an entrepreneurial side to them. They are problem solvers, which is really what entrepreneurs tend to be. And merging those two is also a great way to to combine the the business and the technology side to sort of drive that middle uh, translation layer. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of what developer is, is we talk about business side of stuff, but we also get, we can get very businessy. We can get very technical techie. And in doing that, we, we try to make sure that every, the, the people that are our listeners and the blog readers, and then we've got our, our school that we start up. That's, that's a ver variety of, of courses is to try to find ways to get both sides of that so that you're exposed to the business side, you're exposed to the technology side, because there is value 
a lot of value if you're a technologist to understand the business and the businesses that you're in that's yeah. that is invaluable in helping your your customers but also as a business it's becoming to a point where you've got to have some little bit of a foundation of knowledge of technology to understand the the path you're going down and there's mm-hmm. there's buzzwords all over it's you know the cloud or internet of things or all these buzzwords that keep changing understanding those enough to know this is something that may be beneficial to us or this is completely outside of our realm at least but then as you get you know maybe not if you're a ceo but if you're down even as a, a mid-level business manager vice president or director or something like that then there's still a need to understand some of those technology processes because i think it helps you talk to them and, and reach across that that translation barrier as well so it right. starts getting everybody on the same page it makes it a lot easier to directly communicate with the the we'll call it the other side of that equation Oh, wonderful. Uh, I'm going to be checking it out because I've, I've, I've found myself, as I say, in that sort of translation layer uh, over the years and uh, my experience with working with McLaren and I was working alongside a couple of the big four as they are now, taking those technologies out to, to business and found myself in that role, which is trying to tr- understand what are the what are the business needs of the client. You know, it's like we, we, we have in an almost lucky situation there we didn't have a product to sell we were looking to develop with them and, and collaborate and and, uh, and do that sort of thing which is a, a different environment to we've got a product let's see how uh, hammer can uh, can find a nail in your business but um no it's a it's it's a wonderful world and i think the the, the ability to translate business needs to, into technical requirements is a is a core skill that's going to be really relevant going forward as well. So um, just following up then a little bit on the RB consulting piece, you've mentioned you work primarily with um, entrepreneurial sides. You, um, uh, it, who, who are your, what's a typical customer to you and, and how are you helping them? What's a, an engagement look like? Uh, typically it's uh, a lot of times it's entrepreneurs, it's small and medium sized businesses. Cause I, 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 the best time for me to step in the, the best customers are those that are at a, a starting point or a, a not a pivot necessarily as they would say, but a, a changing point where they're right. either starting out and trying to figure out what do we want to do? What do we need? Where can technology help us? Or a lot of times, which is almost better is companies that have been working for a little bit, they've been doing things and now they're trying to grow. They've, right. they've sort of got their processes in place, but maybe they haven't nailed them all down mm. and they know that, we can't do it with what, what we're doing. We can't keep doing with the people we have. We can't scale this as it's it's typically called. Hmm. And so that's when a lot of times it's a, you know, technology becomes a good fit because it says, okay, these processes that you do, there are ways to automate those or to simplify them or to reduce the time or the cost or all of the factors around that. Hmm. And that now allows you to take this, you know, if you think of business like a big ball or a slight, you know, a big cake, take these big slices that you've been spending your time on and your resources and shrink those down so that now you can free those resources up to go do other things, to grow your business. It's, you know, often it's the difference between working in your business versus on your business. So the, this is finding ways and it, there's a lot of things that, that companies can think of off the top of their head. You know, it's things like uh, automating customer service or outsourcing payroll or outsourcing fulfillment or invoicing or things like that, which you can outsource them. So you can, or you can buy a product. You can, yeah, there's, there's different 
so many different ways to find a solution that fits your business. And that's where I really like to step in because I say, all right, let's start with a conversation. Where are you at? Where do you want to be short term in six months or a year? And then let's also talk about where you want to be in five years or 10 years, because those will impact Mm -hmm. what you do. It's again, if you think about a house, if you or think even better, like a city, if you want it to grow, you've got to have enough land to grow that out. Mm -hmm. So you've got to sort of be planning for that way before you actually get to that point. Hmm. And it's the same way with software is that you need to be thinking about not only where you want to be now and this year, but where does it make the most sense to invest in things so that you're prepared three years or five years or 10 years out? Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, some of the situations I've come across as well, that sort of build or buy, do we, do, do we build in house and, and start our own, system or do we buy off the shelf or, or, or where do we go and is, is that something that you talk to people about or? very often build yeah. versus buy is a, a has really been a big uh it's become more of a conversation in the last five ten five or ten years basically the the idea of cloud solutions and software as a service those things allow companies that used to not have any any ability to reach certain levels of technology and and services and and software. Now you can get into it. You can get in like a a Salesforce thing or NetSuite or some of those that their, their entry can be so much lower than the, the multi-million dollar projects you would have needed to do 10, 15 years ago. And then there's, there's so many other tools that are even, you know, more so that are uh, when you look at like simple, like, uh, instead of ERP systems, but things like your accounting systems or having a, you know, having a website and, and hosting your website, having e-commerce. When you look at some of the tools and sites that are out there, there are ways to get into that very quickly and dip a toe in and, and then also be able to grow it so that you, you can say, okay, this covers me for now, but because it is a software as a service, because it allows itself to grow and its customers to grow, it can grow with you. So you don't have to do this in huge investment. Now, instead you can do a, a portionably reasonable investment. Now go invest the time, learn how to do it. And then that tool can grow with you. So that build versus buy is a a lot of, a lot of conversations come around that because there are both sides that where you'll come into a customer that thinks they have to buy that there's just no way they can build it. And Yet there are ways that it can be done simply and cost effectively enough for them to for them to actually have their own custom solution. And sometimes it makes sense because that's their secret sauce of their business. And on the flip side, there are some that say some companies that are that I've dealt with that are sure they have to do this custom thing because nobody else does it. And I'll go show them 10 other products that do that <laughs> today that do that better now than they would be able to do it two years from now, because it's just people have spent time in that product, solving that problem. And it works exactly for that customer. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, uh, all, as you say, the sort of risk and reward element comes right back into it, doesn't it? In terms of, do you, do you keep control in house or do you actually run the risk of um, not being able to service that you lose key people who know how the system was coded or whatever it might be and obviously buying in yeah allows you to have that service level that, that goes along with the larger pieces of software that come out there so that's where people can get the opportunity to, to scale that aftermarket service and all those wonderful areas as well isn't it yeah, cool. yeah and that's how i mean that risk that that risk reward it, that goes back to the earlier conversation about making sure they understand mm-hmm. the risks and the rewards but then there's 
there's also a lot of times there's a challenge of you're in a situation where you want to be able to control that piece of your business, hmm. but you also really don't want to be responsible. You would love to have somebody else responsible for it, but then it's like, well, but if they're responsible and they fail me, then I'm in trouble. And how do I get control? So it's sort of that figuring out what you really do want to have your hands on and be able to tightly control versus those things that you, you would like to, but if you can find the, a trusted vendor or advisor, then you say, okay, good. That's even better is I can put that off to you. I know that you will take care of it, but there's that, you know, having that, that comfort level that they're going to be able to do it and respond in the level that your customers need is, is there's a lot of trade-offs and a lot of, um, you know, conversations and research and, and understanding that has to go into that because that's building trust at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they bringing that value of having either having gone through all of that previously, because you've, you've had the same conversations about similar systems with previous clients, or you've got the ability when a new system or new new version comes in because you've done that research and you've because you've got the the technical capabilities that value of being able to go in and accelerate the process for companies i can see that being a, a you know a real game changer for a, particularly that small to medium sized organization as well yeah brilliant and um, so if we changed it around a bit and said how do you get help with your performance who helps you perform and how do you keep on top of your game particularly when it comes to you know the the, the pace of it change you know how how do you keep on top of that it it is a challenge i i do a um like a sort of a shotgun approach as i go i use a lot of different sources for that uh there are there are authors and and podcasts that i follow pretty regularly that are and i guess i say regularly i will actually go through sort of waves of listening yeah. to somebody for a while and then i'll move on to somebody else and then come back around or reading um you know, good examples are like your your tim ferris's or your uh gary vaynerchuk's that are very it tend to be sort of general businessy but then they also have a lot of of performance related stuff that's involved with that but I've, I've found that if I listen to one or two uh, or read one or two authors too much, I get sort of a little myopic. I focus sort of on what they do. Yeah. So I like to spread it out a little bit. And then there's also that spread of of technology versus business. But a lot of it I get actually out. Uh, the podcast is great. Doing interviews is mm -hmm. I've. I have talked to people about they recommend any business should have a podcast because it gets your brand name out. Yep. I actually think a, a, the best benefit of a, a podcast is not getting your brand out, but actually talking to all of these people that are either customers or representatives of your customers or competition or industry people that the amount of information you get back is just, it, it can be almost overwhelming. It's just an amazing amount, amazing source of experience plus content, because now you're talking about their stories and what their background is. And then have I've had a lot of my customers themselves help inform me a lot. There's a lot of times that I'll go into a, a, a customer that's got a specific niche or, or something that's a little different and having those conversations with them about, okay, wow, that's a, that's amazing. I didn't know that that was even a business. And yet yeah. you guys are, you know, multi-million dollar business in this area. Understanding that is incredibly enlightening because then it's, it's this area that you haven't thought about it, but then mm -hmm. you can, those things will translate back to other businesses and go, oh, hey, wait a minute, these guys are solving this same problem. They look at it very different, but it's really the same problem. Yeah. And being able to, you know, translate that across to that that other industry is it, that stuff keeps me. Uh, I'm 
every day I'm just, I get to the end of the day and I'm full of new stuff that I've learned. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll certainly echo the, the podcast value piece. The, the, the things that I'm learning just about, just about like what's out there. How, how are people uh, getting themselves out there? How are they helping people? What can I learn from that? Um, either from, I can learn from that. Maybe I can adapt and adopt some of those approaches. Um, or particularly when it comes to the entrepreneurial side and the smaller business element where you've got people who are coaches and facilitators and things, it's actually creating that wider network of actually you might have, you might not be able to get a big piece of work as a small organization, but if you just partner up with one or two others who have got close but overlapping skill sets, suddenly you've, you've, you know, between the two or three of you, you can get something that's 10 times what any one of you could have got. So it's a, it's a wonderful oh, world out there. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, so a couple of quick questions. If you could help any individual team or organization with the skill set that you've got, who would you want that to be? I always want that to be people that are starting out. I hate, I get, I hate, I, I get really, it pains me to see companies that struggle early on when it's, it's things that are, uh, people refer to them like rookie mistakes. It's right. just, they get into something and they, because they don't know that area and music for me, it's always, you know, I can see the technology mistakes that they made. Mm -hmm. And then the cost of those downstream is often very big. And right. it's, boy, if I could, you know, if I could get in earlier and just give a little bit of guidance, it can help them, you know, maybe not completely avoid, but at least avoid a lot of that, or at least put them in a direction where they say, Hey, we're making these decisions. And we know that this cost is going to be coming because we made these decisions early on. Mm. And so I, I love to get in and be able to help people before they make mistakes, wherever I can, I can say, Hey, here's where I've seen these mistakes, or I've made these mistakes and help show somebody else how to avoid those. That's, that is to me the best time to step in. Yeah. Um, I, I'm smiling at myself. I've got a little memory of uh, when I lived back in London uh, with just me and uh, my wife. We had a small one-bedroom apartment and uh, we were getting the flooring redone and we bought the cheapest laminate flooring that we could have got and um, we didn't have the time between us to actually fit it so we got somebody in to, to fit this for us. And he came in and afterwards he said, if you'd have just had a conversation with me, the amount of time and labour that took, I could have halved if not more the labor and saved you a load of cost there and you could have put a hardwood floor in there and it would have been you know absolutely spot on but you've gone for the cheap solution <laughs> with actually having that conversation up front could have saved you maybe saved you some money it might have cost you slightly more but actually the quality that you would have got out of there would, would have been amazing yeah that's a that's a perfect example of those kinds of things yeah. yep wonderful and um if you could sit down and uh, have a coffee have a drink or have a, um, a meal with somebody that you could learn from um who would you want that to be yeah this is a, this is one of those questions that you know pops up from time to time and it's you know what's who's the greatest you know, historical figure or something like that you know i'm i actually flip it a little bit and, and reject the question in, in a sense is that i find that like, anybody that i sit down and talk like i can sit down with anybody and have a cup of coffee with them yeah and they've always got an amazing story that it goes back and I, I can learn from it. And there is something that they I almost always have a, Oh, wow. That's, you know, that's really cool. Or that's really interesting. Or, yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. So I think that you don't have to go very far to get that kind of a, 
that kind of a conversation, that kind of a fulfillment out of communicating with somebody? Is it, I think if you just sit down with somebody and have a coffee at work or whatever, is it, it's always, uh, it's always worth the time. It's always a really good conversation. I always get a lot out of it. I always walk away going, man, I'm really glad that I did that. So it's really, it's, it's what, you know, the average, what they call the average Joe or anybody else, which is, again, that's part of why I like my job is that I talk to these people in all these different areas of business, get to talk to different backgrounds, different experiences, different focus. And there's always, it's always a, you know, a great time. It's always something I walk out of there going, wow, I, I, that was really awesome. I'm, I feel better. I feel like I have lived a fuller life having spent some time <laughs> talking with them. Brilliant. And, and finally, how do people find out more? How do they get in touch? The, the two things we talked about, the podcast and, and RB Consulting. RB is, uh, you can go out to rb-sns, the letter R, the letter B, the letter S, the letter N, the letter S.com, rb-sns.com and, and see what we do consulting-wise. We have a free 30-minute uh, consultation, which goes back to that whole idea. I would love for anybody that's about to step in anything, take advantage of that. Yeah. And I may never talk to you again after that, but I'm hoping that at 30 minutes, I can at least give you a list of questions and, and ideas so that you don't make those mistakes, that you you know who to how to go forward with that when, and sort of a little bit more helping you know what you know. Uh, developer side, it's D-E-V-E-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. And we're out on wherever you do podcasts. It's also referred to as building better developers because when Amazon did the uh the Alexa podcast developer didn't like that word as much. It was hard figuring out what that was. So we right. just said, okay, we're going to call that building better developers on that side. And it's, while it is very much, we do get into some technology stuff. We talk a lot about business and, and how to use technology, leveraging that for business. Uh, and there's also, you can go to developer.com for blog articles and podcast stuff, school.developer.com. We're, we're just starting that in the last few months and we've got, free courses and paid courses and they they range right now there are a lot of it is sort of uh technology introduction type stuff but we're we're putting together an rfp how to do a, a request for proposal and how to go through that process nice. got some classes on that coming up and then other just various technology stuff as we essentially translate the developer stuff that we've done for years now in blog and podcast and put it in a more you know more digestible class form right Oh, wonderful. As always, I'll make sure all of those links are in the show notes for people to, to check you out. And uh, and hopefully, you know, I highly recommend anyone. I mean, I always think puts a smile on my face when people are offering that free consultation because um, it's not a, generally, uh, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm, I'm fairly sure this is the case. It's not about hard sell. It's not about trying to sell people something. It's just about having that conversation and seeing where the value can be added. Um, exactly. Yeah brilliant and uh yeah you <laughs> if you're anything like me trying to uh, put a new laminate floor down then uh, don't regret not having the conversation for the sake of 30 minutes of your time and learning something about the technologies and the things that are out there why wouldn't you invest that particularly when it comes to the expense of, of investing in some of these things going forward so mm -hmm. brilliant exactly Rob, uh, fascinating chat, and uh, and thanks so much for for joining us all the way from the states today. Um, have yourself a great day, and uh, and speak soon. You do the same. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me out here. <laughs> thanks, Rob. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. 
If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.